many of you have seen the movie Evan Almighty? Anybody see that? Aw, did I hear an aw? It's a cute movie. It's like a sequel to Bruce Almighty, which uh, explores the relationship between God and God's people in kind of an interesting way. It's a little bit silly in parts, but that's part of the charm of it. So I wanted to show you a clip of Evan talking to God, and I wanted to see if it resonated with you at all. So let's take a look. So, you're really him, aren't you? You want more proof? I haven't done the pillow of salt thing in a while. That's all right, I believe you. I just, I don't understand why you chose me. You want to change the world, son. So do I. What? Why an ark? I mean, that's like flood territory. You wouldn't do that again. You wouldn't do that. Would you do that? Let's just say that whatever I do, I do because I love you. Well, then you have to understand that this whole building an ark thing is really not part of my plans here. I need to settle into my house. I need to make a good impression at work. <laughs> what? Your plans. <laughs> what? what are you talking? I'm, we're talking about an ark, right? I mean, an ark? An ark is huge. I don't even know where I would begin. Well, I hear that a lot. You want to change the world? Don't know how to begin. You want to know how to change the world, son? One act of random kindness at a time. Build the ark. I'll tell you what. You build it, I'll fill it. And if anybody asks, tell them... Flood's coming. Oh, and um, you might need this. Okay. okay, so what do I do? I grab the wood. Oh, okay. You know, that's just cruel. Do you see him? <laughs> I don't see him. How many of you have ever been there, had a conversation like that with God? You come with all of your plans. You've already put them into action. You're moving forward. And then God says, no, no, no. We say, but I've got my own plans. I've, I've got it all figured out. In the movie, Evan had made definite plans to change the world. And he had begun to act on those plans. He ran for Congress. He was elected. He was finally in the right spot. Things were moving in the right direction. And then... God. Then God entered the scene and God turned Evan's world upside down and inside out. Evan had good plans, plans to change the world. And the first step in that plan was to become a person of power, a congressman. He could finally take big steps to change things in this new position. He finally had the power. And then God. And as usual, God's plans did not need earthly power. In fact, God's plans for Evan turned him into a laughingstock. He was the butt of jokes at work and in his fancy new neighborhood because he was not living according to the rules of the rich and the powerful. He was bucking the system. He was doing it differently. He was begrudgingly following God's plan. 
Jesus emphasizes the importance of service, but not service like we understand service. I, I know Evan Almighty is a movie, but it mirrors how we see God viewing the political and the religious elite in Scripture. And then we hear Jesus change the narrative. Earlier in Matthew, before the scripture that Laura read for us today, Jesus says that in the kingdom of heaven, the last will be first and the least will be greatest. That's not our culture. Our culture loves a goat. Does anybody know what goat is? Greatest of all time. Michael Jordan is a goat. Tiger Woods, Muhammad Ali, David said Tom Brady, but I don't know. That's kind of a mixed response right now. The greatest of all time. That's what we aspire to be. That's what the world wants us to be, the best, the greatest. But is that what God calls us to be? It can be difficult to listen to the message of Christ and stay focused on it because it's so countercultural. The voices of our world, our own voices, push us to be the greatest. But Christ calls us to be the least. God calls us to change the world, and we make great and impressive plans. And then God calls us to do it in different ways, sometimes in acts of random kindness, like we've been doing this Lent. In this passage that Laura read to us, this recording from the Gospel of Matthew, we see the mother of the sons of Zebedee, James and John, make a plea for her sons. She is concerned for their well-being. I'm not sure if you had a mother like this or know a mother like this, the kind who takes matters into her own hands, tries to ensure that her children can achieve all they can and she will intercede in any way, I might know a mother like this. She's homesick today, by the way, if you want to pray for her. This mother in scripture is so interested in helping her sons to be the best they can be that she takes it upon herself to speak to Jesus. Please, she says, Grant that one of my two sons can sit on your right and one on your left in your kingdom. She wants them to be the goats of the disciples, the greatest of all time. Of all of Jesus' students and followers, she wants them to be successful. She wants them to hold positions of power so that they can help change the world. And so she takes whatever steps she believes are necessary to help them achieve that greatness, even talking to Jesus directly. If only they can sit at his right and his left. They'll be second and third in command. They'll receive all of the glory for all their hard work. But Jesus is quick to point out to her that this kingdom that's coming, it's not the sort of kingdom that the world knows. There will be no power. There will be no worldly glory. There will be suffering and hurt and death. Do you recall last week when we said that our cup is our lot in life? Our cup is what we have been given, 
and what we have chosen to do with it. Last week, we emphasized the cup that we would choose. We said, we choose you, God. We choose you, and we know that in return, you choose us. Jesus is coming to terms with the cup that he has been given. In fact, soon we hear him pray that this cup, this lot in life, could pass from him. In Matthew 26, Jesus is praying. More than just praying, scripture says, and he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. We talked about this a little bit in Bible study this week. He's saying, Lord, isn't there another way? Isn't there a a plan B that we can look at? He knows what's coming, and in all of his humanity, he's saying, isn't there any other way? I don't want this. I don't want to choose this cup. I don't want to bear this cross. I don't want to. Can this cup pass from me? This is why I struggle in Lent. These are the passages that I struggle with. Because in my mind's eye, I see him. I see Jesus on his face in the garden alone and crying out to God the Father saying, please, isn't there any other way? And my heart weeps with his. I have never faced anything like what Christ faced. Not anywhere close. But I've had my cups my lot in life. I've had those overwhelming times when I want to look for another way. I've had those times when I fall on my face and I cry out to God, please change my circumstances. Please, there must be another way. But sometimes there's no other way. As Jesus lay on the ground with a tear-stained face, and a heart filled with fear, knowing that there was no other way. The Savior in him said, yet not what I want, but what you want. Jesus chose God's way. Jesus chose to bear the cup that he was given, his lot in life. He chose to do what God was directing because he trusted in God's way and in God's plan. That's not the final time that Jesus prays in the garden that night. If you read forward in the scripture, he comes back a second time and he says, my father, if this cannot pass until I drink it, then your will be done. And then he returned to the disciples and said, see, the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Get up, let's be going. My betrayer is at hand. There's a different air in that second prayer. Do you hear it? It's the the understanding of knowing that he knew what had to be done and the time had come to do it. This week I was talking to someone who had faced a horrible illness in their family. And someone asked this person, They said, how did you do it? And this person said, we 
we really didn't have a choice. And I said, so you just kind of put your head down and pushed through it and just did it. And after that conversation, I wondered if my thoughts were the result of reading this scripture. Because that's what I hear Jesus doing in this moment. He has his human response that we all have of knowing what's going to happen and falling on his face and crying out to God and asking for alternatives. But then when he realized that he's, he is faced with this cup, he surrenders to God's will. He says, this is what God has called me to do. And he pushed forward. And isn't that what we do sometimes? When we're so afraid, but we don't have a choice. When we have to face whatever fear we are looking at. Whatever circumstance that we cannot change. And so we put one foot in front of the other. One step. One step even while we're afraid. One step even while we're shaking. One step even when our foot drags through the dirt and it feels as if we can't take one more step. Jesus knows the fullness of the cup that he is called to drink the cross that he is called to bear. He knows what that cup and what his future holds. And so when James and John's mother comes and asks for her sons to sit at his right and at his left, he challenges them with the question, can you drink of the cup that I am going to drink of? And they say, we can. But even so, even if they drink the cup that Jesus drinks, that doesn't guarantee the kind of power that they want to have. You see, that's what we want when we ask God to change our cup. We want the power back. We want control over the situation that's overwhelming. We want the circumstance to be different. That's not always what is going to happen. You see, these disciples, they had missed the big picture. They're focused on the wrong things. Because for Sunday to come, Friday has to happen. For salvation to come, sacrifice has to happen. And as much as I want to fast forward and skip to the good stuff that's coming at the end, we can't. We have to go through the stuff that hurts to get to the reward. They've missed the big picture. Being first, being best, being the GOAT, being the greatest of all time is not the goal of being a disciple of Jesus. It wasn't then, it isn't now. To have power, to make decisions, to call the shots, to have it your way, that's not it. They didn't get it. We don't always get it. We don't get it. We strive for independence. Jesus calls us to depend on one another. God calls us to be interdependent, connected, mutual, to have deep relationships with one another so that when our foot is dragging through the dirt, someone can come alongside of us and help us bear our cross. When we've fallen under the weight of it, someone can come alongside of us and help us carry and recognize 
the extreme amount of faith that it takes to continue to put one foot in front of the other during times of extreme stress and trial. God sees you. We want to be served rather than to serve. Jesus says no. We want to be better than the one next to us. Jesus calls us to lift one another up, not stand on top of one another to show might. That's why we've been focusing on random acts of kindness. Because there are people in our midst that are dragging their feet through the dirt. And they don't know if their legs will bear their weight for one more step. And we need to take the lens off of ourselves, take the focus off of ourselves, and notice what's happening around us and serve someone else, love someone else. Love other people radically like Jesus calls us to. Because when we're served like that, then we change. James and John's mom gets a bad rap here. I was annoyed with her. I know the other disciples were annoyed because scripture says they all got into an argument. But how many times have we been just like her? How many times do we put our own security first? How many times do we strive for greatness, for positions of power, even with the right reasons? Like Evan, I'm going to be a member of Congress. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to make it better. But God calls us to God's plan. How many times do we want to be the goat, the greatest of all time, the first, the best? When we are called to be more like Jesus, serving others, even when we beg God to let us out of it, to be faithful. We don't like it when God calls us out of our comfort zones. But Jesus showed us what to do. He loved us until his very last breath left his body. And that made him the greatest of all time. And all God's people said, amen.